0: we go we're talking about rumination Tuesday where we take a look at a hymn for the coming week and this week we're going to be looking at the ascension hymn it's a wonderful hymn entitled up through endless ranks of angels Thank mm-hmm. you. of Up Through Endless Ranks of Angels. It was written by Yaroslav Vajda. He died in 2008, and he wrote this hymn at the request of Augsburg Publishing House in order that they would have a hymn for the ascension. This is a hymn that gives an account of the earthly eyewitnesses to our Lord's ascension as found in Acts chapter one. It is the hymn of the day for the ascension of our Lord. And the rendition that we have in our hymnal is also composed by Henry gerkey uh, Henry gerkey is uh, a friend of ours who was an organist at a church here in town, also became a pastor, and is now retired, but is still living, up through endless ranks of angels. And today is May the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Mark Smith hello mark
1: hey how you doing tom this great hymn
0: you know i hardly remember it because you only get to sing it once a year
1: right and it's, it is, it isn't a, a real long hymn it's for four verses but uh it's just a great hymn it's short and sweet
0: yes and it really is going to be used for the sermon hymn that I'll be preaching this Sunday, up through endless ranks of angels. A lot of congregations, they don't have a Thursday Ascension service. And you just can't forget about Ascension. So it's incorporated into the seventh Sunday of Easter, which is this coming Sunday. And uh, the readings are from Acts chapter one, Ephesians chapter one, And Luke 24 but why are they from Acts 1 and Luke 24 well I
1: I would without looking myself at Acts 1 that's the account of uh, of his ascension as given in the book of Acts
0: and why would they put in Luke 24 for the same reason who wrote both Luke <laughs> yes, That's yeah, the he point broke both of them. Make. Yeah, I'm trying to make his Luke was the author of both the Gospel according to Luke and Acts. Yeah, uh, I think you
1: know another. Well, of course, we're given a couple of uh, passages down at the bottom of the page of the hymnal: Mark 16: 19 and First uh, John 2: 1 to 2. 1-2 and John 14 16 to 18 another one another one i think a good one would be uh, Revelation chapter 5 that that shows us where he uh not only where he ascended but how he ascends he ascends to t- to heaven exactly he, he's the lamb that can open the scroll and he's uh he's praised by all the angels and and uh all the people of heaven
0: He's regarded as equal to God the Father. Right, and God the Holy Spirit. So, when we get to heaven, I want to ask you this question. Are we going to be in total bliss? We'll be
1: in bliss even uh, when, we, when we die, we we'll go to be with our Savior, and we will be in bliss with him in heaven, asleep in Jesus, as we say in, in the obituary.
0: Yes. When you think of angels, do you ever think of them as having fear?
1: No, uh, except evil angels. <laughs> evil angels have every reason to be fearful. In fact, uh the demons, when the demons possessed people on earth and and Jesus walked the earth, uh they were they were scared to death of him. They would say, "Jesus, I know who you are. What have you to do with me?" You are the son of God. They were scared to death when, when they saw Jesus.
0: Now, that question I asked was a trick question because I want you now to read the first stanza of Up Through Endless Ranks of Angels.
1: Okay. Up through endless ranks of angels, cries of triumph in his ears. To his heavenly throne ascending, having vanquished all their fears christ looks down upon his faithful leaving them in happy tears yes but you know i know what you're going to ask me tom you're going to say well what about having vanquished all their fears that's the fears of his apostles whom he has left on earth
0: well in the context though it says cries of triumph in his ears yes well who are doing those cries of triumph? Well,
1: I would imagine the ranks of angels. Yes. But, but, that, but that line, having vanquished all their fears, I take that to pertaining to the apostles whom he has just left on earth. He says Christ looks down upon his faithful, leaving them in happy tears. In happy tears because he's, he's vanquished all their fears.
0: Yeah, yeah. I interpret it to be referring to the fears of the angels. Um, what would they have fear about? Well, look at the cross.
1: Okay. All right. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think. Now, of course, I. As I said, the evil angels, the demons and uh the spirits in hell i can understand why they'd have fear of jesus but i can't imagine why the uh, heavenly angels would have
0: any fears well remember there was a war in heaven yes and the good angels stayed with jesus and the bad angels of course rebelled against him I, i i don't have a problem in thinking about that because they were part of creation and we'd have to find some Bible verses, but they were always bringing good news to people. So it's possible you're correct that the fears that are vanquished are the people's fears, but the text begins with up through endless ranks of angels Cries of triumph in his ears. You you would think that they would know that there would have been triumph. And so why would there be cries of triumph at that point, at his ascension?
1: Well, th- here's where Revelation chapter 5 really helps with that. Uh, Jesus, the Lamb of God, is... He is the only one that could fulfill, could open the the scroll, so to speak, and fulfill God's plan of redemption.
0: Yes. Yeah, no doubt about that. And a lot of people, I'm surprised they don't have Revelation 5 as uh, part of the ascension here, because it certainly is. In fact, most of my sermons are about that. But uh, this week, I'm gonna do something different um, for Ascension. There's not just a change, I think, in angels who now triumph over his resurrection. Was there a change in Jesus? Now, uh, okay, Jesus was
1: incarnate, In Mary's womb with his conception. He is beginning with that. He is true God and and true man. And never, he will always be that throughout eternity. He will always be true God as well as true man. That will never change. Uh, And also, I would say uh, now... He fills, he's, he's ascended to the right hand of God. Now he, he fills all time and space, even according to his humanity. Not just according to his Godhood, but he he is everywhere. He's at the helm of the universe, even according to his humanity, which is very comforting to us because because he understands, he will always understand what it's like to be, a human being.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with what you're saying after his ascension. Mm-hmm. But that right. isn't true about him before his ascension.
1: What? What isn't true about him before his ascension?
0: That he had his divine qualities used by his humanity.
1: Right, 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 right. Uh, he, he always had, uh, even as he walked this earth, he always had his divine attributes. He never ceased to be God. He didn't put those aside. He simply did not use them. That's his state of humiliation. Do you agree now, with
0: that? When you say he didn't use them, that means as a human being, he was always not omniscient. You got to think about that one, don't
1: you? Yeah, I got to think about that a little bit. Uh, well, well, remember I, what he yeah, himself was, well, his his state of humiliation. There were times when he had that when he asked people, "What is your name?" Uh, he did not always use that divine omniscience, even though it was always accessible to him. He never but... he never ceased to be God, even even as he was in his state of humiliation.
0: I'm not talking about him being God. Okay. I'm talking about him being a human being. Okay. As a human being here on earth, he was not omniscient, he was not all-powerful, and he was not all-present. Those characteristics occurred after his after ascension, ascension. to heaven.
1: Yeah, okay, okay.
0: Remember right. he talks about the last day. And he says that only the father, not even the son, knows the last day. That is right. That's right. Now, how do we explain that if he's both divine and human? And I think you did that real well by saying that he is not making use of those divine qualities at all times. Right. Right. But did he make use of it occasionally?
1: Oh yeah, we call those miracles.
0: Well, a lot of times he gives thanks to the Father for doing right? miracles.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like before he uh, before he resurrected uh, Lazarus from the tomb.
0: Yes, and so that was really the Father's doing. But there is one miracle. Well, there's more than one. Oh where yeah, he himself does it and what i'm thinking about is on the stormy galilean sea i
1: was just thinking of the same miracle right he didn't you know he didn't consult with his father he said peace be still and it was still right away the the storm
0: yes so this is a really interesting verse that verse that talks about not even jesus knows the last day there are a number of manuscripts that leave that out because it's clear that the copyist when he was copying the Bible said, well, I don't agree with that.
1: Jesus yeah. is
0: God. Obviously he yeah. knows. So they left that out of the text. Yeah. Can you explain what is a critical apparatus in the Bible?
1: Oh boy, not to not to our listening audience right now. Critical apparatus you find at the bottom of the page, uh, like in like in the Greek uh, New Testament, uh, and it tells you, it 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 shows you all the different copies we have. What, we have a copies of copies of copies. Uh, yes, the, it, it's it's well attested by all these numerous copies, and you can study it's 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 a part of seminary education is studying how to use the textual apparatus and how to uh uh assess uh
0: which is the correct manuscript right right yeah um you know i really enjoy what jim veltz has to say a lot of times i think he's one of the best interpreters of the bible and he makes a point that one of the ways in which you figure out what is a critical apparatus is you take the harder understanding. Yes. Because that gives you a reason. There's, there's books written as to which are the proper manuscripts. And a lot of times it's the harder reading because right. that's the one that the copyists want to change.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I agree with that. I heard that before. Yes.
0: So this ascension is really critical because, as you said, now in his humanity, he knows all things. He is everywhere, and he is all-powerful. And why is that a comfort to us?
1: Well, because... Because he's as we sing in this hymn uh, oh to see the Father's face, alleluia alleluia, oh, to feel the son's embrace uh, he's, were there uh,
0: times that Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared on earth in his humanity uh the
1: only thing uh the only time I can think of is uh is attested in uh, the beginning of uh the book of revelation John's apocalypse uh and he and he doesn't appear I mean he he's got the voice of of uh, thundering water and it's uh, it, it, you're you're witnessing him in his glorified state uh
0: well the two occasions I think of is what did Stephen say when he was being stoned?
1: Oh yes, that's right. He said uh he, he the heavens it, it the heavens were open and he could uh let's see, did he talk about seeing Jesus?
0: Yes, seeing the Son of Man.
1: Right. And he and, and then he said the other
0: time would be Saul on the road to Damascus.
1: Right, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Those are two instances. Yes, I thought right. I thought right away of the revelation because. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay, let me go on to stanza two. Okay. Death destroying, life restoring, proven equal to our need. Now for us before the Father, as our brother, intercedes flesh that for our world was wounded, leaving for the wounded plead. Boy, now that's really a theology of the cross.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, there, there's your answer, Tom, in that second verse. That's the one I was trying to think of, where it says, as our brother intercede. That's why when we think of Jesus— uh he he's our brother interceding for us at the right hand of the father he is uh, the, uh as we he he is with the father and he's our advocate and defender and he's he's continually interceding for his followers here on this earth that's a great comfort
0: we think of Jesus as prophet Priest Priest and king, and king. Yeah, the priest in his idea of being priest. Right. There were two things that a priest did in the Old Testament: sacrifice for the people and pray for the people, intercede for them. Yes. That's right. Go ahead, Tom. I'm listening. Oh, you interrupted. I thought you had something to say. No, I'm fine. Okay, stanza three.
1: To our lives of wanton wandering, send your spirit promised guide. Through our lives of fear and failure, with your power and love, abide. Welcome us as you were welcomed. To an endless Easter tide,
0: now, how do you understand Eastertide?
1: Well, Eastertide, we usually speak of the what is it seven Sundays of Easter It actually you, the Easter season ends with his ascension in a in a way, but in another way. Easter tide continues because every Sunday, we think of every Sunday as a little Easter. So really, it's always appropriate to sing Easter hymns the year round.
0: Well, Eastertide doesn't end with the Ascension, because the Sunday after the Ascension is the seventh Sunday of Easter.
1: Right, okay. I've got to, I've got to consult the, uh, the liturgical calendar. I, 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 there are seven Sundays— And that's the last Sunday of Easter. It's the Sunday after the Ascension. Of course, this coming Sunday.
0: Exactly. And so you have to make a Ascension is Thursday. Right. So you have to make a decision what you're preaching on Sunday. Are you going to preach the seventh Sunday or Ascension? And I've decided to preach the Ascension. It's kind of like congregations that don't have a Monday Thursday service or a Good Friday service. you better be talking about that. Maybe that's on the right. Sunday before that. That's why Palm Sunday is often really the Sunday of the passion to remind yes. people. All right. Would you please read the last stanza for, okay. And this is a
1: doxological verse. It talks of all three persons of the Trinity. Alleluia, alleluia, O oh, to breathe the Spirit's grace. Alleluia, alleluia, O oh, to see the Father's face. Alleluia, alleluia, O oh, to feel the Son's embrace.
0: When do we feel the Son's embrace?
1: Oh, that's a trick question.
0: Well, I, think of the liturgy.
1: I mean, uh I would say when when we uh well uh when we take communion.
0: Excellent. That's exactly what I had in mind too. Good thinking on your part. But that's the son's embrace. Yeah, doesn't he
1: also embrace us in uh in baptism?
0: Well, not if you're not the one being uh, baptized.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I think the hymn writer, though, isn't he, don't you think he's thinking of uh, when, we, when we see our Lord face to face, the beatific vision that we will experience when we're with Jesus in heaven?
0: Well, that's a good point. Because he does say, you know, oh, to breathe the Spirit's grace, oh, to see the Father's face. That's a good point you made. That can't happen until we get to heaven. Right. Good point. Well, thanks so very much. Through up, through endless ranks of angels. It's a tremendous hymn. We're going to sing it at all four congregations that I'm dealing with right now and it's an ascension hymn and is well stated from the bible's point of view i'm tom baker mark smith god bless you